welcome to the Film Geezers Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Film Geezers Podcast. I'm Robbo. I'm joined as always by Tito. Hello. And our new uh, recruit, Yomi. Hey up, hey up. And today we are joined again by our special guest, Soup. Hello, thank you for having me back. Um, <clears throat> and today we're going to discuss, as it's kind of Halloween, we missed it yesterday, but um, some more of our favourite horror films. Mm. So, who'd like to go first? Yobi. All right, okay. Uh, Yeah, Uh, so my first horror film that I've got is one that actually released earlier this year. Uh, That's Talk To Me, and it was directed by the uh, the Racka Racka twins, known known for their YouTube channels and whatever, Uh, Danny and Michael Philibau. Um, It's a great film. Um, I'd highly recommend if anyone hasn't seen it. Uh, It's actually like streaming on Netflix now. Um, Pretty much the story just surrounds some Australian teens... Like normally when you're at parties and stuff, like the stereotype is, you know, alcohol, doing drugs and all this stuff. Um, but it takes like a dark turn where instead of like drugs and alcohol, they turn to this like embalmed hand that allows you to conjure dead people. Um, and it kind of grows into an addiction um, and of like, that's pretty much the main story of it, but it's a it's a gripping movie. Um, it's got a great plot, and it's got a incredible ending with a with a good turn, and it's a, a great movie. I rate this movie four stars out of five on Letterboxd. Okay, very good. Me now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm gonna say as my as the fourth one as my number four. Uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, obviously, is a 1974 film directed by uh, Toby Hooper, starring Gunnar Hansen, Marilyn Burns, and Jim Seidel, just to name a few. Um, it's just iconic, really. It's, I'd say it's a slow burner because you get, what, 40, 45 minutes into the film before you even see yeah, Leatherface, yeah. Who's, mm-hmm. who's the poster boy of, of the entire franchise. Um, and it's, it's just really sort of gritty and made on a low budget. Um, so yeah, that's that's that'll be my number four. Um, I was going to put remakes because mm. I quite like the two thousand and three one. As I think you do as well, yeah. don't you? We, yeah. we won't talk about that's the twenty twenty two one. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Michael Bay Platinum Dunes one. That yeah. One. Um, but obviously, I think the original, like like sort of other franchises like Halloween or Nightmare, I'd say like the original is the, the pinnacle. The uh, the magnum opus of the franchise yes yeah. i've watched part two we watched one and then i watched part two after and it is absolutely shocking compared <laughs> to like, the, the only part about part two I, I liked is just sort of the extension of the family but the, the main sort of final girl um in part two was shocking and mm. I, can't, I can't even remember her name it's dj or something um so yeah, yeah. i won't be a Recommending that one. I, th- I think Quentin, Quentin Tarantino like classed it as one of his perfect yeah. movies, didn't he? It's just, it is just like you have to sort of t- when you're watching, you have to take yourself out of like current day and put yourself back fifty or almost fifty years ago now. Well, it came out of the seventies um, grindhouse mm. type of movies. Yeah, and almost I don't know why every time it almost feels like a snuff film. Like, <laughs> it was um, rest- 
I'm sure it was restricted in yeah. this country until the sort of the 90s. So yeah. you genuinely couldn't get hold of it. I think like, it was okay. restricted in Germany until like 2002. Yeah. Or something like that. Um, it's not even sort of gory in the sense of there's loads of blood. It's more gory in the sense of the um, the themes in it obviously being based on um, real life. Yeah. Um, what is it? Ed, Ed, Ed Gein. Ed yeah. Gein. yeah, Ed Gein. Um, so you see in their, in their house as sort of... Um, what would you call it? Like body horror. Yes. People being made out of yeah. lampshades shades and yeah. bones hanging up. Um, it's so got, it's of, got like a shock factor. Yeah, it's like a sick too, twisted. Too gory. So yeah, yeah, I'd um, go with Texas Chainsaw mm. Massacre. No, it's, it's a classic, man. Um, my first is uh, Dawn of the Dead, but it's uh, Zack Snyder's 2004 film. Um, so I'm first going to start speaking about Romero's because I think you kind of have to compare them because I did go for a remake here. Mm. Um, as someone who's seen both, I don't. I'm always the type of guy who prefers the original, but in this sense, I prefer uh, Zack Snyder's. Not just because it's Zack Snyder, um, <laughs> uh, but it's for its time. Dawn of the Dead was uh, Romero's. It was 1978 came out, and it, it was for its time. Like it played very much. It was almost like a comedy. If people actually watch it, it is basically a comedy. Mm. It's a satirical comedy on. Like American consumerism, um, shopping culture of the seventies going into the eighties, and it plays on that. Where, as I think, where they pushed that, it kind of lacks in other things. Like for for modern audiences, I don't find the zombies very scary because they're walkers. Um, they're not the classic runners that we we now know. Of course, it was basically a B movie. That's what that's what it was. So yeah. I, I can't take that away from it. But um, and then things like it plays on like gang culture at the time. Um, so yeah it's, it's, it's almost like a time capsule um, and then you get into Zack Snyder's Justice League uh, <laughs> Justice League <Justice, laughs> <Justice, laughs> on your mind yeah, yeah. on my mind constantly yeah. um, I'm, I'm still uh, uh, jealous of that guy meeting him um, you get into into his Dawn of the Dead film and it, of course it stars the great Ring Rames and I always feel like in this one the location doesn't matter anywhere near as much than the original because if anyone doesn't know it's about these group of survivors that barricade themselves into a shopping mall during a zombie apocalypse um, there's not really that like satirical comedy or, or play of consumerism um, all he does is it's more he just ramps up the gore the tension um, he actually focuses on characters a lot so each individual character feels like a real person and for me that's always like <laughs> genuinely like a boner like when I watch films yeah. I hate films when there's when the characters don't feel like they feel no like cardboard cat cutouts yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah that's the, that's the reasons it's, it's on there and like I said I think it is uh, very well known to be one of those movies where it's almost 50-50 if you mm. prefer this one or the original but yeah it's just those reasons and, and like I said this isn't me taking out on older films I love older movies but like I said, it was very much of its time with the consumerism and, and the uh, shopping. It's interesting because uh, the original almost made my list. Did it? Because yeah. of the reasons of, I like it because it is a time capsule. And yes. And you are right, it's like the zombies aren't threatening, they're sort of painted sort of grey, grey, mm. green. Um, it was on Tom Savini, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. He's actually in it as well. He's yeah, one of, he's, he's one, one of the gangsters, isn't he? Bikers. Bikers, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that would have been the reason why I would have had it on because it's sort of. Um, I said I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, 
I just prefer there's this thing you get with modern filmmaking maybe it's 21st century where even like the f films that have to have that big of a budget to still look very professional mm -hmm. where like I said this was even though it's now considered a classic it's not prestige cinemas in terms of it it still looks like a B movie yeah. and it that's all he intended it, he didn't intend it to be this cultural phenomenon but like I said I'm not taking anything away from it I completely understand and, and appreciate Romero's I mean he basically created the zombie genre on film didn't he so hmm. um, but yeah I just prefer the more action packed uh, character driven Dawn of the Dead so yeah nice thank you so for my first film um, I've decided to go all British this time so British horror films of all of my choices yeah. all either British or co-productions with Okay. America. And probably lesser films that maybe people have definitely heard of but maybe not seen so much. Mm. So yeah, my first one, Con, is thank you for <laughs> printing that. Is a fifty eight hammer version of Dracula. Mm. So I can't really speak talk about that um because I have to talk about the Curse of Frankenstein, which was the nineteen fifty seven Hammer production first because that kind of rebooted the whole um gothic horror film because mm. obviously 30s 40s universal dominated that and then by by the 50s it was the atomic age so they kind of fell out of favor and it was Hot hammer that really rebooted that kind of the gothic like i said the gothic horror film um and curse of frankenstein broke down a lot of boundaries it was first one really to be made in full technicolor and i believe it's the f people are going to say it's not right but i think it's the first film color film to show blood actually in color um and so with the and it was the first film that that brought together peter cushion and christopher lee oh, yeah. as well um and with the success of curse of frankenstein because it, it made like seven times its budget um, they decided to carry on uh, and with some of the other um, monsters right, yeah. so they chose Dracula um, Jimmy Sangster who'd written the screenplay for Curse of Frankenstein was brought back he'd actually never seen any of the original films <coughs> so he went back to the source material and obviously they had to be very careful about infringing copyright of the Universal 31 Dracula as well um, Jimmy Sangster he'd also been a production supervisor so he was very, very aware of budget so he kind of reworked the story to leave out things that would be too expensive to, to, to make um, it's directed by Terence Fisher and he was kind of known as very efficient very quick because they're made on a small budget I think they filmed it in like six weeks and he would only ever do really one take unless he really had to do another one. And I, I saw a video of um, Christopher Lee talking about his um, his time on Lord of the Rings and how one scene um, he had to do 28 takes. And he'd never had that luxury no. before of doing something like that. Um, so it, it's basically the, the same plot really as as, uh, as as we know as Dracula. Um, and to be honest, I actually prefer Christopher Lee's performance over that of Bela Lugosi. Oh shit! Yeah, because that's a statement. Well, it is, but 
the 31 was adapted from a stage play so you can it, it is very much um very few settings and it's quite dialogue heavy and it's it is quite slow paced as well whereas this is more action as well in it um and i think to me because I, I, the reason I chose it over Curse of Frankenstein is because I think I remember this is the first Hammer film that I actually saw, I think, as a kid. Mm. And back then, obviously, it was quite frightening. I mean, by today's standards, it's, it's, you know, it's probably not. But what also, what Lee also brought to the character was kind of sexual overtone as well. A sexuality to Dracula, which I don't think he'd ever had before. Um, and they did actually have quite explicit horror in these films, which, like I said, is probably mild by modern standards, but were unprecedented at the time. Um, and they all, they always fell foul of the, the British border film censorship. Had to cut a lot of scenes because of, um, and it was it was um, a lot of their films were given an X rating as well, which you kind of compare to today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah, that's why I chose chose Dracula. Um because to me I think that, that is the definitive performance of Dracula. Mm. I think when you see Dracula <coughs> you a lot of people will probably see Christopher Lee as mm. well. Yeah. yeah. Obviously like, I've I've not seen it. No. But when I've seen people showing like clips of Dracula or they show Dracula in montages for Halloween and stuff, it's always that like one shot of Christopher yeah. Lee's in colour. I think it sort of sticks with people and mm. definitely that's who I think mm-hmm. of when I think of Dracula is, um, yeah. or any sort of films like that is I think of the yeah. pairing of Peter Cushion and Christopher Lee and I think he played Dracula about seven times or something like that mm. so yeah uh, they did sort of do it to death yeah <laughs> but I think he's, he's, his kind of was the mould for Dracula going forward so a lot of later adaptations kind of drove on Christopher Lee so he kind of pioneered yeah, it pretty yeah. much yeah yeah, I think so. Yeah, nice. All right, uh, on for my like second pick. Um, I have got if I can scroll down. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Um, I've only literally recently watched this film because uh, I thought I, I saw the first like two, and then wasn't really, you know wanting to watch the third but uh, uh, Cheeto told me to watch part six watched it uh, I thought it was great it was great you know released in 1986 uh, directed by Tom McLaughlin uh, it kind of brings back the you know the love and the main appeal um, of the Friday the 13th franchise um, especially coming after part five which was horrendous uh, pretty much people want to watch Friday 13th they just want to see Jason Voorhees kill people they want they want to see him fuck some people up just completely indomitable you know just hunt down pe- uh, people at his, at his lake which is, which is now known as like a Camp, Fo- Camp Forest Green yeah uh, and we got that back in this movie with uh, CJ Graham uh, he played a, a a great Jason uh, just completely He's just a full on Home Depot Jason yeah Home yeah. Depot just like he was full on uh, 
I, I definitely he played the, the, the role like pretty much to a T of what when you think of Jason just a non-stop unkillable mm. murderer machine yeah, yeah literally just uh, he also got some really cool kills in the, in the movie uh, you know I forgot the, the smiley office. face one is the, the best sm- one the smiley face no. one yeah you got the officer that gets folded like a lawn chair um, and also Tom Matthews uh, who played uh, Tommy Jarvis in this he played him really well uh, and at the end uh, it's got like the fight scene it's actually quite a convincing fight scene mm-hmm. it, it, was a, it was a good end to a great movie um, and I uh, I rated that film uh, 3.5 stars I think as well Friday, especially part 6 where it's like part 5 is sort of not forgotten but just pushed to the back of like the library yeah. I think part 4 is probably one of the best displays of horror in the franchise and like it's like the perfect it's definitely rec- the darkest it's like, yeah, one it's like, yeah. the, like a recipe isn't it it's like a, off the first 3 the 4th is like the combination of all 3 yeah. I think part 6 what makes it unique and probably my favourite out of them out of the entire one like out of the entire franchise is it's sort of like self parody of itself yeah like, it's, it's, like, yeah, it's it, self aware it, it, it's yeah. so self aware for it like it's like the original before Scream become really self aware I think part six is like like the couple in the car where they they mention about not getting out or mention about yeah. killers in other films and stuff like that yeah. and I think it like it is just really clever in how they do it and especially like some of the cutaway gags yeah well um, I think up to this point you'd have you'd had five movies in, in an already aging Friday the 13th yeah and uh, I just think they, they did the best thing they said we're gonna take how we know how dumb this franchise yeah. is, and we're just gonna run with it. And it's my my favorite Friday Thirteenth movie for that. It's just so dumb, but where it's self aware, it kind of t- turns it into being smart. Yeah. And there's also um the uh, the the grave uh, digger guy who breaks the fourth wall and and yeah, like, that's yeah. A random mm. fourth like wall break. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I just for me, it, it just because it is, they took that idea of, of it being so silly and just being like, let's just roll with it and mm. uh, see what happens. They, and, they did the best thing for the franchise, and it's, I, I think it's the last Friday the Thirteenth movie before the MPAA came in and uh, ruined the, yeah, the series sort of forever. What well, about Jason X, man? Yeah, well, <laughs> I think it's more more seven, eight, and nine just steer too far from actual gore yeah. don't they like it, it goes from seven sort of carry rip off yeah with that telekinetic girl eight yeah. eight misleading jason spend jason takes a boat to vancouver yeah. <laughs> jason takes and manhattan nine is just there's not there's hardly any jason in there because it's just impossible. meatball people. jason it's, it's a cool concept for nine it's just really poorly executed i think, I think it would have been better if it was his own horror movie and it didn't have the friday the 13th yeah. thing on it like if it's an original ip but um, yeah, I definitely think Friday Thirteenth Part Six is is apart from the uh, obviously the remake we've had probably the 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 last pro- truly yeah, great Friday Thirteenth movie. Friday Thirteenth, yeah. So yeah, that's a good mm. pick. So I have gone for my next pick as 1996's Scream, um, directed by Wes Craven, starring David Arquette, Matthew Lillard, and Neve Campbell, just to name a few. Um, of course Drew Barrymore is the poster girl for the film um, and I think most of the marketing around the film 
was for uh, Barrymore. Um, she was meant to be in the film. I think she was originally Sydney Prescott, wasn't mm, she? Yeah. Um, but then she, I don't know. I can't remember if she requested a smaller part or I think it was I think it was her idea to yeah. make her die first. So they sort of throw, it throws everything off. I think it's, it was a perfect choice to do that. I think it's a really good shout. Um, obviously, the film reinvents the horror genre after what came off of the eighties and then the early nineties. There wasn't really nothing, anything new. There was um, it was sort of just rehashes and. Just sequels of dying franchises yeah, from the yeah. 80s, wasn't it? Um, and obviously, I think Craven himself saw franchises that he's met. Obviously, he's helmed Nightmare. Yeah. And he saw what was happening to that. He didn't really do anything um, up until New Nightmare, which I think is also like a sort of... I think New Nightmare came out in 94. And it does like, have like a bit of self-awareness yeah, in it as well. Yeah, it's like I think he was testing the water to do yes, Scream. Yes, 100%. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Scream, I think, is still probably the best in the franchise the, the original um, obviously we've had this year we've had Scream 6 and last year we had just Scream which was trying to I think it was trying to reboot it yeah. um, they're, they're both really good I think um, but the original sort of just is its own sort of, it's just yeah. a kick off of a new franchise um, and it could happily survive on its own if you took all the others out yeah. Scream would be a fantastic horror film I mean it's, it's pretty much a horror staple isn't it yeah like you you look at like I know Halloween's just been but like Halloween costumes you go in pretty much any store Ghostface Ghostface every time every single pretty much Space anything is that plastered. is it's also with, with, the, with the movie it's so well written uh, you know it, it's funny you know it's got horror in it uh, it's it's very clever. Uh, well, sp- speaking of the writing, Kevin Williamson, the guy who wrote the yeah. script, uh, he, he literally wrote Scream because he wrote a horror movie, a slasher movie that he'd want to watch himself, yeah. and he then tried to offload it to all different companies until it got got brought up. But um, he, all the all the smart things about it and all the sort of the niche things about it with the self-awareness and stuff he purposely put that in like I said he, he was he wanted to rejuvenate a dying slasher genre mm-hmm. um, so I think it's pretty cool that he wrote a, a script that he would want to watch himself you know yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah uh, I still think Scream's uh, Maybe just behind Halloween in the slashes genre. It's yeah. that highly regarded, yeah. in my opinion. It's got uh, watching it for the first time. It has such a good twist in it. Um, obviously, with sort of um, spoiler alert, if you've not seen it <laughs> yeah. in twenty-seven years, <laughs> with obviously like the double killers and voice yeah. changes yeah. and stuff like that. I just think, um, yeah, it's that's a staple. If, if anybody's coming and, to me and says, "I want to watch horror," and so. with like Matthew Lillard and uh, Skeet Ulrich. They they played the played off the, the like the double role so mm. like pretty much perfectly yeah where you you didn't guess no it, it, you you couldn't guess that it, it was going to be Billy and Stu but uh, yeah they played it off like so well it's actually based on true story as well scream <clears throat> on the Woodsboro murders mm. uh, murders that happened in ninety one I believe or something like that um, so I think that was a thing he took in once he was he started writing the script but yeah I, I this is like I said with Halloween, this is one of the only slasher movies I see like proper prestige filmmaking. Like it's it 
four slashing films is a perfect movie. There's nothing wrong yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. It only does good things, in my opinion. So yeah. So yeah. That's, so it deserves that's, it deserves I mean, all the praise it gets because it's a masterpiece in the in the slashes genre. Really. That's my choice. Yeah. Nice. Mm. Okay. My next film is a Stephen. I wanted a Stephen King film, um, on this list, and there's of course many, but I decided to go for a bit of a left field pick in Misery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it came out in 1990, and it was uh, directed by the great Rob Reiner, and it stars James Kahn as Paul Sheldon, and he's a very famous author of the Misery book series, and he he gets in a car crash in the snowstorm and he is saved by Kathy Bates what's her character called again? Oh not off the top of, mm. not off the top of my head but uh, she won an Oscar for the film she's like a fanatic isn't she? yeah yeah but she uh, Annie Wilkes Annie Wilkes I see yeah, yeah Annie Wilkes <laughs> uh, she saves him pulls him out the, out the wreckage and uh, of course he's got sort of broken legs he can't move he's basically incapacitated and uh, she cares for him and sort of uh, over the course of the movie you start to see the true person she is that she's this mega fan and uh, once again a bit of a spoiler but it's been X amount of years uh, he is planning on doing one last book and he's going to kill off Misery and basically she gets really pissed off with him and she forces him, literally forces him to write a new ending for the new Misery book. Um, I won't go into full details because I don't want to give the film away about like the, the the actual proper like gory details. I think you guys know which scene I'm on about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he just basically has to where he's where he's uh, basically paralyzed for x amount of time. He he has to like find a way to get out of the house, um, and she's just a complete psycho. Um, but it's always one that I don't really hear many people talking about as well because I, uh, I think it is Stephen King's favourite movie adaptation of his own movie, of his own uh, book. Sorry, um, I mean I, I, every book of his has been done to a T. But um, I just, I just like that sort of story where he's helpless and hapless, like he can't do anything because he is basically paralysed. Mm, yeah. Because um, normally. I don't know if you guys get it, but it, it, normally it's in movies. It's a, a man taking captive of a woman. Obviously, the, the physical yeah. strength where it switches it on its head. And James Caan as well. This is a very odd role, really, if you think about it, because he was known as a hard man. Um, of course, he'd, he'd been Sonny in, in Godfather, and just to see him <laughs> mix it up in a totally different film as a guy that needs help instead of you know, and is is the one that's uh, being taken captive instead of taken captive of someone else it's just a it's a really good movie and I, I urge everyone to see it because it's sort of that it, as the film goes on you kind of get like a you feel Paul's sort of sense of impending doom as well as you see each layer of, of uh, Annie Wilkes you know gets peeled back and you see for the, the person who she really is um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great film. Like I said, it's it's probably my favourite uh, Stephen King adaptation, even over The Shining. So. I was saying that to you last night, wasn't I? As I think Misery is probably my favourite yeah. over it, over The Shining and Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and Carrie, obviously. Yeah, I think I think more people have like been exposed to the the Family Guy skit they did. Yeah. Right? 
rather than well, the actual yeah. movie itself. It's got all the tropes of a monster movie. Yeah. You've got, but the monster's a person. You've got a guy who's yeah. trapped in a location that he can't get away from. And it's it's like Halloween, but whereas... It's like a... Yeah. It's got a, nothing... I mean, yeah. It's it, that kind it, of tropes. It's like... Yeah. It's, yeah, if you think about, like, King Kong. Mm. It's just like you've got a helpless person yeah. Yeah. in the grasp of someone that doesn't want to let them go and unless they get what they want. Yeah. yeah. What well, 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 my favourite part of the movie is is the fact that you see what's come of Paul as he's, as he's sat in in Annie's bed when he's, he's basically paralysed and you're just thinking how the fuck is he going to get out of this, you know what I mean? And you just see his struggle. Um, he almost does a bit of like investigating around the house to see... Uh, what type of person she is and yeah like I said every passing minute you just see you peel back Annie Wilkes and you just see her for who she truly is really but yeah I I want to see this film I think it's really and I do include it as a horror some people say it's a thriller Uh, but I think it's a horror film right so okay yeah so my second film is the 1973 British folk horror film The Wicker Man it's, I've seen it on a lot of lists as being like the, the widely um, considered the best British horror film. Not the Nick Cage one, mate? No, no. <laughs> the bees. <laughs> and it all starts off with Christopher Lee, who he was trying to sort of shed his hammer image and wanted to more interested acting role. So he uh, met with screenwriter Anthony Schaffer and they agreed to work together. Now, a guy called David Pinner had written a novel called Ritual, which is the basis of the story. He'd actually written it as a screenplay for director Michael Winner, who was going to cast John Hurt in the film, but he dropped out. So he decided to, to instead of write, he decided to write it as a novel instead. So Schaffer, <clears throat> he adapted, uh, he, he felt the novel was too hard to adapt on its own, so he used that as the basis of the story. And he, he wanted to get away from that um, typical, um, scary, gory kind of horror film. So this is more um, more tension and it's a slow build up to a, a twist in a climatic... F- I don't know if you've seen it or not. I've seen it. Or even the 2006 one. I've seen that yeah. as well. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen bits of that one more. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's the same story and it's the same ending, so... It's not as well made. No. <laughs> so it's basically where um, Sergeant Howie, played by Edward Woodward, he receives this anonymous letter from this island community um, called Summer, Summer Isle about a missing girl called Ron Morrison. So he, he goes out there to invest. So it starts off as like a detective story. He's investigating. And then every every point of inquiry, the, the locals claim never to have seen her. She didn't exist. Um, and then throughout the whole film, he realises that the islanders are all pagans. And their leader is this guy called Lord Summerisle. He's the grandson of um, a Victorian agronomist, right? And he developed these strains of fruit trees that would prosper in Scotland's climate and encouraged the belief that paganism would boost the harvest. And so that's when the islanders slowly came round to this idea of paganism. Mm. Um, I don't know, should I, should I reveal the ending? Maybe, I don't know. 
It's kind of a twist. Yeah, I, I didn't do it with misery. Uh, just uh, okay. So you guys. So um, how he believes that Rowan is going to be used as a human sacrifice mm. to to boost the harvest for next year because they had the poor harvest the year before. Um, I'm not going to say any more, but yeah, it's it's a really good twist ending to it as well, and and it's um, like I said. It doesn't show. It, there's no gore. There's no blood. It's 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 all about the, the conflict between this guy, the, the devout Christian, and this pagan islanders. Um, definitely worth seeing. Yeah, like I I watched it for the first time ages ago, yeah. and because uh, it's the reason why I watched it is because I looked at like best horror movies, and it's always on mm. near the top. Um, the way you, for anyone who's not heard of it, the best modern like what's that what's that Florence Pugh movie Midsummer. 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 it's it's kind of like um it's kind of like got that same vibe as that for anyone who's, who hasn't heard of The Wicker Man um but yeah don't accidentally watch the uh, Nick Nicholas Cage one um because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it'll make you want to rip out your eyeballs um but no it is a classic and uh I literally urge everyone to yeah. watch it because, like you said, it's a slow burner movie, mm. and yeah. it's it's actually got a competent story and a plot yeah. which many people yeah. don't think of in horror, do they? There are various releases. The original release they cut, I think, thirteen minutes from the film for the US, and Lee wasn't happy with it because he he felt it adversely affected the film's continuity. So they've done a rest restoration of it. So if you get to see it, see either director's cut or the final cut, because I think it's owned at the moment by Canal Plus. Okay, yeah. So yeah, so they've done a restoration and of the um, missing bits. Might be on Prime then if it's yeah. Canal. And I think there's been a 50th anniversary 4K restoration, which for this is the 50th anniversary of it. It's 2023. So nice. Um, whether it's going to be re-released in cinemas, I don't know. No, yeah, no, it's, it's classic, mate. Yeah. Uh, so for my third pick, um, I really wanted a creature feature in this, um, specifically a Bigfoot creature feature, uh, but I couldn't decide between three films, and uh, they were Exists from 2014, uh, Willow Creek from 2013, and Abominable from 2006. Uh, but I decided to go to my favourite one of the bunch, uh, and that was Abominable, uh, directed by Richard Schifrin. Um, what I love about this movie it's got quite a few aspects to it uh, so it's not just you know you're hiding from the creature trying to fight off you know this murderous thing um, it's more about a man's kind of re like rehabilitation after like a an accident he had I'll, I'll just give you a, a brief uh, synopsis of it uh, a man has to face his biggest fear, which is going to the place where he had a rock climbing accident with his wife, which left him paralysed and bound to a wheelchair, but his life passed away due to the accident, uh, which he blames himself for. Some college girls are having spring break across from his lodge, which always, disturbs always his college peace. girls on spring break, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. always, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, these college girls are having uh, spring break at a lodge uh, opposite to him, which disturbs his peace and also the peace of a massive, murderous Bigfoot. Um, it's literally a gory bloodbath like trying to cross with the, this man's emotions of because at, at the start 
he he wants to die. He he doesn't he doesn't want to live anymore without his wife. Um, it's it's a, like a really fun movie because uh, it it actually makes you like scared of the creature, um, which I think especially like today a lot of movies struggle with. Yeah. Like um, if people like see a Bigfoot like in a movie, they're like oh. You know, seen one, seen one of them before, but this one because of how brutal it is, um, it actually makes you like scared, and it kind of puts you in uh, in his shoes where you kind of feel helpless. Um, you know, he, he's paralyzed from the waist down; he can't walk. It's it's it, you you kind of feel like a, a lamb, you know, left out to eat. Um, that adds tension, doesn't it? Yeah. Sort of I, it, what it. also helps is. It was actually scored by six-time Oscar winner Lalo Schifrin, which is Ryan Schifrin's father. Um, it's got an incredible score to it, um, which just completely builds the suspense and the eeriness of, of this movie. Um, it, yeah, I, I, I think it's a great movie. It's like a proper popcorn movie where you can, you know, sit down, you know, have a fun time watching a movie and also get a little bit scared here and there. Uh, and yeah, that's my that's my third pick. Like the it's kind of a slasher film because the creature attacks the college girls as well yeah, doesn't it? yeah so and he witnesses all this happening but nobody believes him yeah yeah so it's it's actually so, um, the monster itself is actually based on a real real monster up in New Jersey called the Flatwoods Monster um, and in the movie this Bigfoot like yeah you, you see him in like two different like places at once which um you're like, oh, that, that's, a, that's a bit odd. It's later revealed at the end of the movie that there's multiple of them. Yeah. But the Flatwoods, uh, the Flatwoods monster um, is meant to have some spectral, uh, like, supernatural powers to it, um, which I think they've, they've incorporated into this, into this creature quite well. So, yeah, that's my, that's my third pick. <laughs> So my next pick will be Shaun of the Dead, which is uh, a 2004 uh, British film directed by Edgar Wright, uh, starring Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and Kate Ashfield. It's probably in my top three of zombie films, obviously. That's why it's on the list. Um, <laughs> but I think it's just... it's. More, more than likely the, the horror film I have watched other than one other which is on the list later it's probably the horror film I've watched the most um, just because every time I watch it there's something new that I notice about it because of obviously Edgar Wright's direction there's the script itself is like it has callback the jokes and the callbacks in it play out throughout the film like every line sort of in the beginning you can hear it sort of rippled on it like ripples out later on in the film you see it sort of uh, rear its head again um, but yeah, it's, it's just sort of the it's the perfect English zombie film. If if, if there was a an outbreak or an apocalypse here, I feel like Shaun of the Dead is yeah, exactly they, how they've it nailed be. it. Yeah, because um, obviously there's, there's not really many guns in this country. Um, <laughs> That's so, to use a cricket, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. It's, right, it's yeah. all like sort of melee weapons up until you obviously get the the, the Winchester rifle uh, from the pub named after it. Um, and I feel like as a sort of big film sort of directorial debut 
Uh, I think Edgar Wright did do one. Obviously, he did Spaced in 99. Mm. But you you can see he takes uh, inspiration from other horror directors, um, especially with sort of the the quick cuts. You, you know that they're from us, like Sam Raimi from Army of Darkness and stuff like that. When it's like it's like a montage of things happening, it's like quick yeah. cuts up close, um, which he's he's clearly inspired by Raimi, but that has since gone on to be Edgar Wright sort of his his niche yes, when he's yeah. directing every film has got that in it um so yeah that that i think it is i think we've all seen it haven't we yeah, yeah. um it's numerous times yeah, yeah i remember when netflix had it i watched it like 13 <laughs> times in three weeks <laughs> like i had it on repeat what, what i love about it though is is um of course it's big it's a really big film even in america it's huge but for the americans like that is literally, it is what Britain is like. Mm. Like if if it is a as, really if, British if, film. Yeah. If zombies were to attack Britain, that's literally what it'd be like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, like you said about like um, you spot a new thing every time. You know, he kind of puts like Easter eggs in, doesn't he? Um, yeah. Uh, and then there's, of course there's all extra material like comic books and stuff, isn't there? Well, there yeah, there's um, you can see characters from Spaced in the crowd of zombies outside the Winchester and I believe all of the zombies all of the zombie extras were paid a pound and they were hired by a great from a spaced forums he just went on there and he was like I'm making this film do you want to be in it but I could only, like he's only paying you had to pay him something so he paid them all a pound just for them to show up um, and yeah like you said there's comics explaining certain aspects which you could see as plot holes later on like yes. what happens to certain mm. characters um so yeah, it's sort of expanded upon, and they were going to do. No, they weren't going to do. Sorry. So people have always said about a sequel, and they've always said that they would have called it from dusk till Sean, um, but it, that never came to be. Um, and I think they they knew all along that they're never going to. All of the Cornetto films, they won't make a sequel on. I, th- I I believe the only one they've said that they could see and making a, making a sequel of is Hot Fuzz, because it's the only one that sort of ends. Well, Shaun of the Dead has a happy ending, but Hot Fuzz ends with most majority of the character spoilers. Majority of the characters still intact and alive, yeah. and you could expand that. Um, but yeah, there was actually a Easter egg in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, where when you're when they're in Times Square, you can see on a billboard in the background a poster that has "From Dusk Till Shaun" on it, um, which is a little nod to it. Obviously, the, the creators of that film had a uh, had a what would you call it Aspir- not aspiration admiration yeah for uh, the film so yeah that's why I'd pick it it's probably my favourite zombie movie yeah it's probably my favourite in the Cornetto trilogy as well mm. um, like I said yeah it's just just how real it is like of course zombies ain't real but like if if it was to happen if a zombie outbreak was to happen in Britain that's how it'd be um, yeah so yeah, uh, my my next one is uh, Black Swan. Uh, it's a 2010 Darren Aronofsky film, and it stars uh, Natalie Portman and Emily uh, Kunis. I don't know why Robbo's looking at me like that. Uh, <laughs> we'll get onto that in a sec. Um, so the film stars, like I said, Natalie Portman and Emily Kunis as two ballerinas in the New York City ballet, and they're uh, doing a production of uh, Tchaikovsky's. Uh, Swan Lake. Swan Lake, yeah, Swan Lake, 
and uh, it's basically these two vying for the lead role but what the lead role entails is uh, you've got to play two roles the white swan and the black swan the white swan is very fragile and light whereas the black swan is very dark and foreboding and happens really that uh, Nina who is Natalie Portman is is more suited to playing the white swan and uh, Lily Mila Kunis is better suited to playing the black swan so yeah it's just about this rivalry they have and it obviously obviously focuses on Nina way more but it kind of like shows the psyche of her and she starts out fairly normal and you can see the role takes a grip of her and it's basically a downward spiral from there and uh there's many people who say this isn't a horror movie, but I th I, it definitely is a horror movie because some of the visuals, like I said, it's a Darren Aronofsky film, so you're going to get some mad visuals. It's like you're taking like a Kia Coke ahead of watching this <laughs> film. Um, but like I said, uh, Natalie Portman won the Oscar as well, and this is well regarded as one of the greatest acting performances ever, and she definitely deserved it. But yeah, <laughs> Robo was looking at me earlier. Um, what was that? What was that, Robo? Because there's a particular scene between Mal Kunis and that apartment, I yep. believe, that you've paused on so many times. Pause, <laughs> rewind, rewind, mate. Yeah. Pause, rewind. <laughs> but no, it is a, it's a character study of of Nina, and like I said, it, it's once again it shows this uh, dark path she goes down from being. Uh, it, it's weird because she she starts out like a not everyday girl, and then she she turns into someone who's very dark and. You could actually believe her doing things that you'd never think she would. Maybe even murder, maybe. You never know. Um, that's basically a spoiler, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that, guys. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's, it's just very interesting to see her go down this dark path. And once again, it's an Aronofsky film, so it's, it's it, you've got all the Aronofsky-isms. Um, it's very much like Requiem for a Dream, where it's just a very hard film to watch. But it's, like I said, it's it's haunting almost and that's why I'd, I'd, I'd say it is a horror movie it's a very it's like a psychological horror movie I'd say but um, yeah I mean Black Swan I'd, I'd I have really high praise for this movie because I generally think it's one of the best movies in the 21st century and not many people talk about it anymore so if you have not watched it watch this fucking movie guys just for that scene alone okay nice. I'm sure I've got many blokes going to Netflix <laughs> now searching for, for Black Swan I take it none of you guys have watched it. No, no, no. no. it's on my yeah. watch list. I was, I was just expecting waiting for someone else to come in. I, I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, no, that's what. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah it's so I wanted to include at least one werewolf film in this. Um, so I've chosen an American werewolf in London, which is directed by. Sorry, it's 1981, and it's a comedy werewolf film directed by John Landis. Has anyone, anyone seen that? What well, this film? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Bits of it. Yeah. So John Landis was in Yugoslavia. Uh, he was a production assistant on film Kelly's Heroes, and he witnessed some Roman gypsies um, performing rituals on a man being buried, so he wouldn't rise from the dead, and that gave him this kind of idea for this film. Um, he developed the script in 1969, but he he basically shelved it because people thought that it was too frightening to be a comedy film and too funny to be a horror film so it didn't really fit anywhere but after success with like um, National Lampoon's Animal House Blues Brothers 
he revisited and managed to secure funding from Polygram Pictures and decided to film it in, um, obviously in England because it's in London. Obviously, studio execs were like, oh, we want you to cast Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi in it, but he <laughs> decided no. He went with two unknown actors, David Norton and Griffin Dunn, which I've never... Griffin Dunn, I think, was in Animal House, but, yeah, I've not really seen a lot else they've been in. Um, and it's it's basically about two graduate students from New York City. They're backpacking around the UK. They end up in... Yorkshire on the moors in Yorkshire. The moors, moors. Yeah. Um, and they end up being attacked by something. Um, Jack's killed. Um, David ends up in a coma. He's taken to a hospital in London where he comes to after three weeks. Um, he's visited by his dead friend, which happens throughout the film. And, and one of the comedy elements is each time he's Jack's more decomposed than the last. Mm. And he tells him, you, we were attacked by a werewolf, you're going to become a werewolf, so you need to kill yourself before you start to injure people. Um, David doesn't believe this, but then the next full moon, he does in, indeed turn into a werewolf. Um, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but suffice to say, it doesn't end happily for him. <laughs> <laughs> Make but, that what you will, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um Rick Baker, he did all the creature effects and he actually won the inaugural um, Academy Award for special makeup, I think it was, or makeup yeah. effects. Yeah. Um, for his, I mean, obviously, 81, it's all They're practical effects. Yeah, the practical effects are immaculate. And John Landy says that he wished that he'd not spent as much time on the werewolf transformation, but he was just so impressed by Rick Baker's work, he just wanted to include as much of that yeah, yeah. as possible. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's not your typical werewolf film. Um, I just think it, yeah, it is comedy horror, and I think it was probably the first comedy horror I'd ever seen. Well, yeah. I thought yeah. it was going to be a horror film. Sat down, watched it, and it, there was comedy elements in it. Um, the sound, the music, actually, as well, um, is quite ironic because they all contain songs which refer to the moon. So you've got like, like Blue Moon, Bad Moon Rising. There's like I think Moon Dance by Van Morrison. There's like three versions of, of Blue Moon, um, and it it was a financial success as well. And I think I remember probably watching it first time on VHS. Oh wow! So I think that probably I don't Date yourself yeah. Out. I know, but I don't think it did particularly well when it was first released. But like a lot of films, found home, 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 home video, home, yeah, home video, um, and I think it's obviously it's inspired other other films as well, and other um, other directors. Um, yeah. it, they did have a sequel, American Wolf in Paris, which flopped. I've actually never heard of that. No, as well. and there's been talk about a remake. Um, actually directed by Max Landis who's John Landis's son but that's never really um, happened and um, what did happen from that was that John Landis and Rick Baker were asked to um, work on the Michael Jackson video for Thriller so yeah so it's got an enduring um, legacy I think and that was another, that was another one where you look at like the best horror films of all, it's always at the top, yeah. isn't it? 
Yeah. But it's, it's very much like, I always see it as like having a cult following, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Because it's, 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 once again, I think that was one of those ones where it was like a B movie. They were intended just to be well, stupid. Again, and, he, he wants to do away with all the sort of folklore aspects of weirdos, yeah. like the silver bullets and all that kind of thing. Done, been done no, to death, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and, and give something new, something fresh. And I think, yeah, it did. Very good. So. Very good film. Alright, yeah. Uh, so for my final pick, it was going to be Scream. Okay. <laughs> but we've already <laughs> talked about that. Sorry. But uh, I just pulled this one out my arse. Um, it's a French film uh, released in 1960 called Eyes Without a Face by Georges Franju. Um, we were talking about Misery earlier. Um, this one is just, it's pretty much like Misery. So, after a car accident, which left this girl's face completely like disfigured, um, her father was a doctor, and he was trying to you know help her. Um, and while she was you know in like comatose and stuff like that, the only way he could think of helping her was getting other women's faces. And pretty much sewing them on to his daughter's face. So he would go around, kidnap women, uh, like pretty much knock them out with, uh, I don't know, roof filling or something like that. And um, they, he would detach their faces and try it to put it on his daughters. Uh, and it, it, it happened so many times and it, she didn't, you know, it didn't look good or it completely failed and he kind of fell into like an addiction for it uh, and as he was falling into this addiction of, you know, kidnapping these women, um, his daughter came around and realised what he was doing uh, and it's kind of, you kind of see this controlling man just fall at his own, you know, his, his own greed really. Um, it's a really good film. Um, not many people know about it. Um, I, th I think they did it on like a ten thousand dollar budget in nineteen sixty, and I think worldwide, worldwide like gross was like just under a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. So it's like quite a low budget film, uh, but really good, really well well written, um, and yeah, Georges Franju did a, a really good job on directing it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice pick. Yeah, yeah. Um, Going back to uh, what Robbo said about cult classics and cult following, <laughs> uh, my final pick, um, as no surprise to people that might know me, is uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> what, what a movie. <laughs> what a movie. Um, it's a 1988 film directed by Stephen Kyodo, um, but written, produced, and obviously directed all together by the Kyodo brothers. So they all had a hand in it, and they had a hand in the special effects um, and the practical effects, sorry. Um, it stars Grant Kramer, Suzanne Snyder, and John Allen Nelson, uh, made on a $2 million budget, which most of it went on... Um, actually, no, none of, it, none of it went on the masks themselves because they were all made in-house out of their own time. Um, it was more, obviously, on the rest of production. Um, but, yeah, the, the sort of cult aspect of it is um, it's not really well known. I think it is probably my it is my favorite B movie, 
Oh, it's um, great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and I, I've sort of gradually got more and more people to watch. It. Yeah, I've, like, I've sort of made my own it. cult. So <laughs> watch it, please watch this film. Like I've made it myself. Um, some people I've shown it didn't like it. I won't name any names. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know um, who you are. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of the other people have, have sort of praised that it is just a stupid sort of. It's a silly. Film, yeah, it's a silly. It's so good, but it, it, it's done. Like the, the gore in it doesn't come from uh, that much blood or anything like that. It's more sort of the the practical sort of body horror and stuff like that. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I watch it multiple times a year. Yeah. <laughs> I talk about it quite a bit, and I have done on on sort of my other like TikTok and that. I've spoken about it um, mm. with one of them, one of the brothers actually seeing it, which was pretty surreal. Um. So yeah, I uh, that's that's why it's my. But you're smiling. Yeah, Chio. Exactly. If, if I put my ten cents in, so Soup showed me and Yo this movie about two months ago, maybe. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it one. It's, it's I was one so hesitant about this yeah. movie as well. Um, but the, the the only way I can describe it is it's goofy. It's so goofy. What I think separates from a lot of other movies you can tell there's love put into it though like yeah. you can tell the it's brothers like a passion they they yeah. they just love making this and they they of course they meant for it to be goofy but they they um they just wanted that they weren't just make it for the sake of it you know they they had an idea you could tell and they just put it to film yeah. but i just <laughs> there's just some things you it's like you're on a on an acid trip or something yeah um and I, I love everything's like circus related. Like they got like different gadgets and stuff. Like the uh, the popcorn that is like yeah, the trackers and yeah. stuff. And the, the balloon dog. That yeah. So balloon dog. It, it, it is just so it's sort of so creative and yes. They've spoken about sequels and they they. I mean, you've like, got the video game coming out. Yeah, soon, the, the, the the one that's been pushed back and pushed back. Yeah, constantly. The, the um the the brothers always always asked by fans, are you going to do another one? And I saw a comment on uh one of their pages, and it was like fingers crossed. So that it's like they're looking yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, I think the Sci Fi Channel showed interest in a series for it. Mm. Um. But I feel like if they if they not they didn't even have they could have just remade it by this point because it's thirty five years old it, it's sort of in remake territory yes um it, I feel like with modern technology practical effect I think because if they did it they they would make it all practical anyway they wouldn't go they'll go down the CGI route I think it'd look awful on clowns <laughs> um but yeah I I think it's sort of for a lot of people young people probably in the eighties it's just before. Um, obviously Tim Curry's portrayal of Pennywise it, yeah. yeah. so I feel like that was probably the initial spark of uh, a lot of people a lot of young people certainly their, their cholera phobia mm. um, so yeah that's why it's my number one pick obviously no I, I, I really uh, did yeah it's, it's a great movie uh, highly recommend it it's not highly my favourite but we've obviously we'll get onto that in a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is a close number two. Um, for probably all the wrong reasons, <laughs> but right in my head, <laughs> it's free as well. It's free to watch, isn't it, on yeah. Amazon? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you uh, I don't want to plug Amazon Prime, but I do. <laughs> Hopefully they can sponsor you guys. Go on Amazon Prime and you can uh, you can watch it there for free. So yeah. I, I love. I really generally loved it. Um, what a great film. Mm. Um, Right, so my my last pick is I think I had this last year as well, and I, I might have had it the year before that, 
but I couldn't not in this either the two. Um of course it it's the uh it's the sequel to the Evil Dead, but I'll just go through it. So there's three films. Uh the first one, uh the second one is basically a soft remake slash reboot of the first one. It's very confusing. But basically, this uh, the first one was made in a budget of $325,000. And then uh, Sam Raimi made Evil Dead 2 for 10 times as much. So about $3.5 million. Um, and the reason why he did the, the sort of the soft reboot was because uh, Evil Dead 2 was the movie he wanted to make when he made Evil Dead 1. But he, couldn't, he just didn't have the resources and the money for it. Um, the reason why I love Evil Dead 2 the most is because once again it's it's following on from Soup and Robbo it's it's a horror comedy um mm. the first one is kind of like a full on horror movie yeah there's some comedic aspects um and then the third one is goes into like goofy territory where it's just a full on comedy where the second one kind of bridges the two perfectly and you've got that just classic mix of real horror and just great like comedic acting by Bruce Campbell and like I said Bruce Campbell plays Ash and he takes his girlfriend to this cabin in the woods it's one of those stories but it's basically in the first five minutes they go through the first movie all over again and then they pick off up where it left off um, but I just like I said the reason why I love this movie is because it just is that perfect blend of comedy and horror and uh, for anyone that hasn't seen it Ash basically uh, he finds a videotape and on this videotape is uh, this man who's, who says a it's like a spell mm. I don't know what you call it like it's a chant like a chant yeah. yeah and it basically causes the uh, these things called deadites and once again for anyone who hasn't seen it deadites I'd say are like demons zombie demons maybe yeah um but it causes them to come alive and they basically terrorize uh, Ash and the rest of the of the cast in this cabin. Um, but like I said, it's just it's one of the most legendary performances in terms of actual like, uh, say like with Bruce Campbell, what would you call it? Like slapstick comedy. Proper like slapstick, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's all performed by him, isn't it? It is, like, yeah. You know, he's done all, all his own stunts. Um, it's, it's just such a Raimi film as well. Like you can just tell it's a Sam Raimi film. Yeah. Um, I mean, my my personal favourite is the the hand. Of the, the hand, hand is, yeah. is class, um, and then also the the scene where ev- he's laughing, everything starts laughing at him, and he laughs along. It's mm. once again, it's a goofy film. Yeah, <laughs> but you go from goofiness you'd expect in Killer Clowns to like pure horror. Um, I must admit, there was a there was a scene where there's like twenty liters of blood somehow, isn't there? Yeah, so it's like that type of goofiness. Um, but yeah, like I said, the reason why I, I could—I mean, I could have gone for any of the any of the trilogy because I love all the films. But I just think that Evil Dead Two is, I think, the the, the best out of them because it just yeah. it bridges that gap between horror and comedy perfectly. So did um, the reason like the first sort of fifteen minutes of the Evil Dead Two is a remake is because the the studio that it was the original was made with they wouldn't give Raimi the rights to show. To make sort of a, a cut montage of the first ones, but yes. at the beginning, so and that's just remake yeah, it. That's why you had to get cast um, different actors yes. in, in the roles of the obviously of the the teenagers in the first one. Yeah, 
uh, well not teenagers sort of young adults yeah I mean in the original they were teenagers one yeah. day but like I said you can definitely tell as well that the increased budget I mean when you have a budget increase of, of 10 times you know what yeah. I mean I mean back then 3 million it, of course it wasn't a lot but it, for a film of that of, of the size it was is quite a decent budget yeah, and then of hefty, course yeah. of course they got a bigger budget for Army Darkness you can tell that but yeah, like I said, it's, it's just the, the the perfect blend of the, of um, Evil Dead and, and uh, Army of Darkness together. Really, that's why it's my final film. But like I said, mm. like, it was has been on every <coughs> list of mine. But I just love it yeah. so much, so mm. that's why. And Bruce Campbell is a fucking legend, man. Nice, nice. Okay. Nice. <laughs> so my last film is the nineteen sixty three horror, uh, The Haunting. Anybody seen that? No. no, so it has was remade in '99 with Liam Neeson in it. Yeah, and there's a oh, I have yeah, seen the Liam Neeson. There's a TV yes. series now called The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, which is, oh, is that what's yeah, based? Oh, I didn't realize the Liam Neeson thing was yeah, a remake of something. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's it's based on the the '59 novel The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, and it's directed by Robert Wise, and it's it's basically where this paranormal investigator, Doctor uh, Markway, he invites. Um, a, a team to come and investigate this hill house which is said to be haunted and only two people respond um that's a psychic called eleanor and uh another sort of psychic called theodora um and the current owner of the house insists that her son be present as well so he is luke sanderson and it's you kind of traditional haunting so you've got like you know apparitions banging that kind of thing but it's also about Eleanor's kind of descent into insanity as well so it's a psychological study as well yeah um Robert Wise he was in pre-production on West Side Story he saw a review in Time magazine of the book and he secured the rights he passed it to Nelson Gidding, who wrote the screenplay for it. But he was kind of coming at the idea that Eleanor was actually had a nervous breakdown and all the events were happening in her own head, that the house was actually a mental institution, Dr. Markham was her psychiatrist, all the banging was her having electroshock treatment. Then he actually went to meet with the writer, um, Shirley Jackson, and she said, no, it is just purely a, a haunted house film. Um, and then another thing was the title um, Wise didn't think The ha Haunting of Hill House would work so he asked her you know what did you consider any other title for the book um, and she said yeah The Haunting so that's how it uh, became that and yeah it's um, Wise realised that he he'd had an old contract with MGM and he owed them one final film so he approached them um, they were going to give him a million dollars which he didn't feel was enough to make the film so he approached M MGM subsidiary in England and they were going to give him 1.05 million but if he filmed it in England they'd also get tax breaks other incentives so with all that he realised that he'd be, he would be able to film it in England so even though it's set in Massachusetts it's actually f filmed in England uh, and an English production company so that's why I've included it mm. on British films yes mm. um, 
it's actually on um, a lists of you know best horror films of all time. It's Martin Scorsese. It's the top of his eleven scariest horror films of all time. And again, it it, it might not be by today's standards particularly scary, but back then, I guess it was. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you've seen the um, Liam Neeson one. It's shit, so don't yes. watch this instead. Literally, yeah. like I said, I, I'm ashamed to say that I didn't realise. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen that. I think I saw it in the cinema. Oh my god, that! And you, you know, you can't actually go and demand your money back, can you? <laughs> the Liam Neeson movie is the most boring film I've seen. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, like I say, if Scorsese says it's his his favourite film, then I'm not going to argue with him. <laughs> yeah. Are we? Uh... Well, well, we. There's a couple of admissions that we've we've done, and uh, one of them is the thing, and the other one is Halloween. Yeah. As because uh, they are obviously our, uh, the thing, especially is our so all our favourite. We've horror covered movie, those in other, and other we've covered them. Well. Yeah. yeah. So we wanted to branch out. I'm not considered Alien as well uh, because it was British yes. made, yeah. and because yeah, we've covered that before in other podcasts, so. I kind of went, tried to go with lesser known films. But the thing with being well. like first on our yeah, list, exactly. yeah, that's yeah. why we. Um, Halloween would have been a sort of second. Yeah, yes, yeah. 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 Or, or, or other films like Alien, mm-hmm. Jaws. Yeah, I've got. On my I've got like that Halloween, The Shining, I had American Wealth in London, Creature the, uh, from the Black Goon was, on my, yeah. uh, was mm-hmm. like up for on mine, uh, The Awful Dr. Orloff, um, and Rubber. Robert yeah. was online. Robert, Robert. Robert the Tire. Killer Sofa was on, wasn't it? No, bloody wasn't. <laughs> Me and uh, Cheeto watched. Was it Killer Sofa or Killer Yeah, yeah Killer, Killer Sofa. Sofa. It was shocking. That was honestly the worst. Apart from um, Silent Night, Deadly Night, <laughs> that's probably the worst film. Not even horror film. The worst film I've ever watched. It, but it was like it sort of started going into territory of so bad it's good. <laughs> But I don't get how a country that that made the Lord of the Rings trilogy also made oh, yeah. Killer yeah. Sofa. Like, so, yeah. that is, that, is that our dishonourable mention? <laughs> Films we would not recommend. Five Nights at Freddy's as well. It's shit. Yeah. I've not seen it yet, so I'll, I'll yeah. uh, save your money, mate. I'll... Halloween ends. Halloween oh, ends. The worst rated film I've ever rated. The, the best, the best part of the film was when that kid like fought to his death on the balcony. Like, yeah, genuinely. and then the credits. I've said to you, I've never ever walked out on a film before, and I did consider it. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone was laughing at the end of how bad that was. So have you? Have you? Has anybody got any sort of? Obviously, Yobi said his. Have you got any quick fire? Yeah, I, I have. I have another Stephen King movie, and once again, it's not one of his well-known ones, and it's fourteen oh eight. Yeah. And it's uh, yeah. Jude Law. No, so it stars John Cusack oh. and uh, Samuel Jackson. And uh, John Cusack is a, like a world-renowned uh, skeptic um, of ghosts. <coughs> and uh, Sam Jackson is the head of the hotel that's meant to be like the most haunted room in the world or some or in America. And he basically is like, "Oh, hold my beer, come here," and then use your skeptic shit over here, basically. Mm. So he goes into room fourteen oh eight and. I don't even know how to, what how to describe what goes on. It's just pure fucking horror that goes on. <laughs> there. I ain't gonna lie, like, and it trips you out because there's like a scene where he's because it's quite high up in the, in the hotel and he like he's like looking out the window and he's looking at himself 
across the building mm. and it's the same hotel again it's just trippy shit and yeah it's, it's um, once again it's not a very well known Stephen King film um, but and I like John Kuchek as well he was probably high as shit as well at the time so <laughs> adds to it but it's, it's he probably won't even see any ghosts man. that's probably just his visions and all the fucking cocaine or some shit he's having but um, so John Kuchek don't go after me um, but yeah no 1408 was, was very close to being on mine nice. as well what about you I had two yep. I had one and then I, I sat there and I thought oh no there was two I had Sorex from this year which I think it, it takes place between the first and the second one I think it's probably my favourite because um, it's the only one that I knew absolutely like I didn't have any spoilers yep. whereas I watched Saw the original Saw is fantastic but I knew what was going to happen so the Saw X sort of it, um, it was unexpected and the twists in it were some of the people I've watched it with in the cinema they figured it out I didn't because I, I don't really try. I, I sort of try and guess things but I, I like the surprise so yes, I, I don't want to yeah. dig too deep into it um and the gore in it was brilliantly sort of disgusting. Like, there was a couple of times yeah, where was I was horrendous. like, there was a couple of times I was like, mm, like that, trying to watch yeah, it. Like you're watching a snuff movie right now. But, um, and then my other choice would be Last Night in Soho, which I've watched oh, yeah. very recently. Um, Is that the only Taylor Joy one? Yeah, so it's yeah. Uh, Edgar Wright directed it, and it's got um, Anna Taylor Joy, Matt Smith, and it's the last performance of oh is it Dame Diana Ross not Diana Ross yeah it is Diana, Diana Ross Diana Rick yeah. that's it not Diana Ross yeah. Diana Ross she's the, the singer oh, she yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's it um, and it's sort of a, a, a horror movie that takes place between the 1960s and present day um, and it's not even it's a two hour film but it, I didn't it, it's not a film I've sat there and like looked at my watch and gone how far am I into it? Like mm. it, the whole time I was, flow by. yeah, it, the flow is brilliant, and the whole time I was sort of captivated by it. And it is on my watch list. It is brilliant. I gave it five, five star on that box, and it's probably in mm. my. It would make my top five, I think, if it wasn't for Scream and sort of the iconic ones it, it, as a standalone film. And it did terribly at the box office. It was, at, I think, it was a financial loss. Like they, it bombed, um, but now it's obviously on Netflix and uh, sort of home home video home yeah. release. No, it's, it's highly rated. That's one I'm watching. I need yeah. to. Yeah, I need, I need to see it. So yeah, that's that's all of my picks. Any for you, Rob? Yeah, just one. Um, I wanted to include a werewolf film, and I, you didn't even include it. no. This guy. I did five. I I didn't realize it was only four. You did include a werewolf film. I did, but I couldn't decide between. In American yeah. Wolf in London or Dog yeah. Soldiers yeah. so I chose American yeah. Wolf I'm London, salty so. about that yeah. it was on my fucking those, list those were two of his films you, know, like <laughs> you prick so, <laughs> and it is it's not um, it's kind of a, an update a modern telling of the werewolf legend and it's basically about a group of soldiers on military training exercising Scottish Highlands fighting against a pack of werewolves yeah and it's it's not you don't see anything from the werewolf's point of view, so it's not like the weir, you know person descending into you know becoming a werewolf and feeling sorry for themselves. And yeah, it's from the point of view. Also, it's essentially a monster film. Yeah, it's they, like aliens. So it's soldiers versus yeah. They, werewolves. they, they could literally replace yeah. like the werewolves with anything in yeah. that movie. Yeah, and it would have been a very cool, coherent movie. Yeah, but, but I just yeah. liked it because it is a it's 
it's an updating of the and it's a modern take yeah and a different take on the whole werewolf thing um they were were planning on making a sequel called um i think it was dog soldiers fresh meat which has been you know it's been in production for like years and years mm, and years yeah. and one of the stories for it was that the actual werewolves are actual special forces <laughs> and they actually quite like being werewolves because it makes them really strong <laughs> oh. so yeah so it's a good movie though it yeah we, movie. we did a rewatch of it two days yeah. ago was it yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love that film man yeah. so. right is there anything, anything, anything else? else anyone I think, that's no? it. I think we covered it yeah. So, you know, if you do want to comment on this and give us your top four or five or whatever um, and send us any comments you have on our choices, then please do so. But that's all, all that's left for me to say is thank our guests, Cheeto. Thank you. Yobi, Soup. Thank you. Cheers. Thank say you. goodbye. Thank no, you very thank much. You See you later. Thank you. Goodbye.